Hello, everyone, and welcome to Grip Lock Foundation Disc Golf's weekly podcast. I'm Hunter, joined as always by Trevor and Connor. Thanks, Hunter. We got quite an episode today. We can get started off with a little Patreon question of the week. Talk through a bunch of storylines from the U.S. Women's Disc Golf Championships. There's, I got like 15 this guy's got pictures on his notes. I got like 15 different. <laughs> he does uh, that for me, so I can read better. No, I got like 15 <laughs> different screenshots of social media posts and different Dang, things dude. to cover this week. So. Buckle up, it's going to be a bumpy episode, uh, but let's, all, let's start off with a little word from our sponsors. Click it or ticket. Football season is back, and you know what that means. Touchdown dances, Sunday tailgates, and epic fantasy showdowns with fellas. Let's not forget the real MVP of the season. Let's not. Introducing the all-new Beard Hedger Pro Kit from Manscaped, your <laughs> ultimate luxury beard grooming experience. This kit is your secret weapon for staying sharp on and off the field, so don't fumble this opportunity. Head over to manscaped.com and elevate your grooming game with the Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Join the 9 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. You heard that right, 9 million men or 109 MetLife stadiums full. So go to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free shipping with the code GRIPLOCK. That's one word, GRIPLOCK. The Beard Hedger Pro Kit is grooming powerhouse built for precision and style, just like your favorite quarterback. This kit tackles beard touch-ups effortlessly, ensuring you're always prepped for the next play. Plus, it has a compact design for easy portability. This cordless trimmer has a rotary reel that gives you 20 hair-cutting links with one guard. So no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons. That's right. Face grooming doesn't have to be hard. Get 20 beard links in just one guard. Plus, it's waterproof, so you can shave in the shower to avoid all that hair in the sink. And the titanium-coated T-blade is tough on hair but smooth on your face, leading to a single-stroke efficiency that brings satisfaction one stroke at a time. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code GRIPLOCKED at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using code GRIPLOCKED. Your grass is not not artificial. Keep it shaved with Manscaped. I love it whenever we have an ad read of something that I literally used like this weekend. Like I l- literally used mine yesterday. This oh, what? You don't even have facial hair. Yeah. Yeah. Connor, Connor's been well, clean I, shaven for weeks. So I don't, audio listeners. I don't have facial hair because I used it. That's you know what? That's a good point. Yeah. You just generated like 50 extra clicks on our YouTube video. Yeah. Our audio <laughs> listeners are like, what? I kind of see beard. I cannot Connor. confirm nor deny, but I'm going to scratch my face and you tell me if it sounds like beard or not. That's wow. awful. Yeah. I'll that scratch was, my face and you tell listen, me if it's tough like listen. Another tough listen. I can't even hear it. I back heard to it. Back tough listens. All right. <laughs> We're going to kick it off with our Patreon question of the week. Um, if you're wondering where this question comes from, it is over on our patreon.com slash foundation disc golf. We got a thing over there called the Heiser Club Mailbag, where it's a weekly Q&A session with us. Um, and most of the questions aren't disc golf related, but some of them are. Like this one from Brock Mickley. He said, with the news of W.R. Jackson and the IDGC having to remove effectively all the trees that made the course what it is because of the beetle infestation, do you think Champion Cup should be hosted there after the design of a new course or move it somewhere else? Could be a good opportunity to move it elsewhere as the event is still only a couple of years old. Yeah. Um, I, I think that... I don't know that the event needs moved in entirety. The It's really sad that the uh, course is getting taken down. Dang, you're really taking the lean back. Okay, fair enough. Uh, It's really sad what's happening to it, but um, my biggest thing is that they are moving it to the end of the season, which I think everybody agrees is a bad idea. They're just backloading the end of the season. All the important events are happening then. It's not good. So I think what needs to happen is they need to move it just next year, and then if they want to move it back to whatever course they are able to recreate at that property, then that's fine. But trying to force the issue is not good. Yeah, no, I don't mind it staying on this property um, long-term, especially if they can recreate W.R. Jackson in a, in a form. Like, if it still has the same essence, the property has a lot of history. That course obviously had a lot of history. 
I believe it's officially shut down Wednesday. So what do they have to do to get rid of the beetles? Cut trees. They, to clear, they basically had to log they had to clear it because all the trees, crazy. all the trees are dead they're or dead. dying. So now yep. it's a safety hazard because they're all just gonna fall over. You hit one. I mean, I feel like this. This just opens up a scary uh, option for people who don't like certain courses. Well, <laughs> are you condoning that? Yeah. What are you? What are you mentioning? I said time? scary. <laughs> um. Anyway, I cannot be. It happened held. at a Greenfield. Yeah, it happened at Greenfield locally. Ash beetles. Took out all the ash. That is just that is, is there so a beetle crazy. for every variety of tree? Is there pine? This yeah, I think is pine, this is beetles. pine beetles. Is there maple beetles? Oak beetles. Oak beetles? That's crazy. Maybe. Christmas but beetles. Back to what I was saying. <laughs> I don't mind the idea. Like if they can, if they can keep the essence of W. R. Jackson there, I don't mind it coming back. But it can't be. And I don't. I know the knowing the PDGA, it won't be the end of next year. That I think this is really? a classic situation where they announce. I mean, they've done this how many times? Where they announce something. The backlash from public and players that they should have talked to beforehand comes out, and they're like, "Oh, you didn't like this? Well, that look, we're the good true. guy. We're going to listen and move it." And it's like, "No, you're not the good guy. If they were the good guy, you would have talked to the players." Not before really you a good idea. Guy. Yeah, not really a good way to do that. Um, because what I think they should do is just figure out. Actually, it was it Dustin that had this idea on debate night. He said basically they should just flip. They should like next year, um, do Champions Cup at. Nevin, where the tour championship mm-hmm. is, and just do that in April, and then have the tour championships at the new WR Jackson because timeline that fits. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense for one year, and then you just flip it back the next year. Um, but no, I think if you want to keep it a southeastern, you know, disc golf, find a course somewhere in Georgia or in South Carolina or North Carolina that just fits the vibe for one year, and you just go to it in April once for one year. And then next year, you bring it back to where it should be. Um, because the the spacing of April, June, August, October makes perfect sense for the four majors. Yeah. To go June, August, October, October. And in between the August and the two October, you also have MVP Open, uh, GMC. You're close to like Ledgestone, D-Glow. And then you got the Tour Championship too. Like the season's not going to matter next year if they do this until August. Kind of a hot seat moment for Woods Disc Golf, huh? Beatles yeah. takes down the whole thing. We should start making I, trees out of We should of just start playing on all golf courses that solve the issue. As much as you want to disagree with Trevor, he does have a point there. <laughs> he does have a point. That is a like a stupid point. It's just <laughs> a crazy like thing to think about that like like was this even preventable? Like how did this happen? And then like just some Beatles, man. And then like all it took, like, I want to know where this started to know the butterfly effect. Like, oh, the butterfly effect, uh, or the beetle effect, if you will, Ooh, of will. a uh, of just one beetle wandering or being brought onto this property is that this disc golf major won't have won't happen anymore. At this it course, crazy. <laughs> because like they they murdered all the trees. Yeah. Well, didn't they a few years like years ago they logged the property? Remember that, and it led to the redesign. They, I obviously where whole four because like the turkey gulch. Remember the turkey gulch back in the day? That's yeah, but, gone. S- but some of those whole locations still exist. That was, I think the turkey gulch was a lot to make the course more difficult because the part they logged, I don't know that that intersects. Yeah, it did. Because okay. that was when that was the year they fully redesigned. Um, when you go over that, there's like four holes in a new section because they, they all got logged and then they redesigned it over there. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like... Because at the end of the day, the, the, the IDGC doesn't own that property. No. Well, and, in Wildwood Park. And this, yeah, and this is like... Uh, so are they, do they just log the trees with the beetles in it, or do they log, like, everything? 
Well, back then, this wasn't a beetle issue. It was just like a... Like, what do they do now, though? They will, every now, tree that I is don't dead, know. I would like, imagine every tree is probably, dead. They but, probably have to kind of make up a, a perimeter, basically. Interesting. And then and go from there. I mean, yeah, and this, is, this kind of comes back down to, like, deciding to start a major on and decide that this is the only course it's at and you don't own the property, I think is a little bit... I mean, that doesn't matter for beetles, but... Right, but I think... Even without that, it, it's, it's still. Th- this is the danger of doing the one property thing because now you're already trying to force the issue just to keep it on that property. It's the same issue that USDGC is going to run into um, whenever they have to leave Winthrop University. And so I almost feel like disc golf, unless you really know a property is a guaranteed thing. And like this park, this isn't really a fair example per se, but I just don't even know if it's smart for the sport because like European Open. That course might get shut down. That course is getting shut exactly. down. Exactly. So, like, we're, that's what I'm saying is I think it might be smarter for disc golf to just rotate and, like, keep it a tight rotation. But, like, let's say USDDC is played on three different courses and it just goes one, two, three, one, two, three. And then one of them gets taken out for some reason. It's a lot easier to slide in a new one. It's almost kind of fun to get it into the rotation rather than just sitting on the same property. This is the danger of doing that. Uh, now, it the the benefit of having one course is it takes a lot less time to like create a historical environment because like golf for example has been around forever and so like when the u.s open goes back to pebble beach everybody's like oh remember the like these other times it was at pebble beach and we know this and that and it's like or the british open goes to st andrews same thing so even in if the sport's around long enough, you can have a rotation that still works out that way, but it definitely takes longer. But I still know if disc golf should be banking on singular properties at this point. It's an, it, you know, it just could, it just creates a bigger issue when something doesn't work out. It's a risky play. To a certain extent, I mean, but I, I, I think that I hate rotating majors, personally. Um, but like USDGC... I mean, all of them in golf do, except for, except for the Masters. That's fine. We're not golf. Um, that's why we hand out T-shirts for Frisbee trophies, man. Um, yeah. But no, I don't. I don't like rotating majors from the history aspect because we don't have the history yet, well, and it's really easy. That's a that's a very here. And the now other way problem of thinking, too though. is you gotta build for the future. The other problem too is though we don't rotate within a rotation. We rotate like Worlds has been at fifty five different places, and it's all that's the only rotating major we have right now. And there's no like U.S. Open. You know when U.S. Open comes that it's gonna that it has a theme. It's always like yeah. the toughest pin. Like yeah. the event still has a theme. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, Disc golf doesn't do I that. I think I think Champions Cup, for example, they would rotate like three or to four courses that have are like a more wooded course. USDGC would rotate courses with more OB. European Open, it's in Europe. Like that's just kind of part of yeah, the theme. Yeah, no, there. I think if we stuck with something like that, you definitely, I'd be okay I, you with definitely, it, but that's just not what disc golf you, does. Yeah. The rotating major of Worlds goes... Well, the Worlds is a mess for an entire... All over the place. Worlds is a mess. And so that's that's what I don't like is like when, when, you, when disc golf has done a rotating major, they've done it to where Worlds can one year feel like the most important, incredible thing when you're on the property and then the next yeah. year be like... I mean, there's a few well, flags. They've but. just never tried. That's the thing. It's like world. Yeah. Worlds, they've never even made an effort to versus do that the theme. majors that stay in one spot. USDGC and European Open are the only ones we have yeah. history with. They're the most prestigious felt majors right. because but because of that. Both of them are about to get upended. We don't know USDGC. Yet. Well, we do know in the next. I would give it no you more don't than five know. years. You're guessing. Mm, I've heard, <laughs> you, but you don't know. Okay, I I. 
okay, it is a it is a good certainty that it will not be at a college university for very much longer. There's a solid chance, yes. Yeah, so but that, we don't that, know. That's what I'm saying. Okay. It's and, leaving. But that's, we do know European Open is leaving. Right. So that's what I'm saying is those majors get upended. Can, um, yeah. So I think it's a safer to go with a... T- now, I don't think... I, I think that it's fine to have... And plus, W.R. Jackson, they could redesign on this property and it could be a better course when we come back. Yeah, and then, but like, I, you know... But I think the problem with it that is it's just that we don't own the property. Yeah. Because like you well, could ex- safely put exactly. one at Maple Hill and yeah, I, nothing's wrong with I, that. It's I going to stay there all the time. Listen, the one course major... I think is awesome. And like I said, I, I would, I would almost prefer it as well. It's just the idea that I'm trying to, you're trying to future proof things. And if you don't own the property or if you don't feel that like the property is under ownership, that things aren't like Augusta national, it's a golf course, right? Like it's not a park. Like, yeah. so like that's, it, it'd be one thing if this was at a, a disc golf course that we knew was in good shape and was like going to stay around and there was no reason to believe that there ever be a problem with it. But right now, like like you said, Maple Hill might be one of the better examples of that. Uh, you know, maybe do we just move one of the majors to Maple Hill? My opinion, no. But I'm just saying, like, I, I I I don't think it's a good enough major course. <laughs> okay, I think I'm that just, I think it's not, I'm just poking the bear. I think it's not future proof because I don't think it has the distance. So that's I think it, I think that's the problem with that property. But scored really tough though. It did score tough. It's it. We're not there yet. But I'm just saying, I don't think it has the distance to be future-proofed. Fair enough. I think eventually we'll, the sport will outgrow that property. Um, which, But that can be true of most properties. Because like eventually golf could outgrow Augusta. But golf, you can just make a few changes and it doesn't matter how short a course is. Disc golf's not like that. Um, that made the basket smaller, man. Yes, you can make the basket smaller. But <laughs> yeah. Anyways, enough talk about that. Uh, W.R. Jackson should, or uh, to recap... Champions Cup should be in April again next year, and then they should go back to W.R. Jackson the year after and not try to shove another major into the end of the season next year. Bad idea. Yeah, I, I'll be shocked if that actually stays there. That would be crazy. If that thing's, if No, there's been has. enough public backlash that this is a... I feel like that's a classic PDGA move. Now, yeah. USWDGC just went down, U.S. Women's uh, major. Um, we have Kristen Tatar taking it down, making her the first FBO player ever to complete the official Grand Slam, win all four majors in one season. Owen Scoggins came well in second. Done. Henna Blomers came in third. Um, I mean, look, they, Kristen showed up and she did what she had to do. It got close at times. She always started the round rough. Kept she, it interesting for us. She really struggled with those first few holes. Uh, I think they said that she was averaging like two over or something through the first four. Yeah. Whereas other, some other players were going like three under. So what, tended, what seemed to happen is like, she would start, I mean, after day one, she was on like the third or fourth card, but it was like she would start the round rough, it would look really bad, and then she'd kind of pull herself never, back together. She never and got like, I mean, she was, was never the, out of well, condition. Yeah, what was the furthest she was out of it? I, I can look, round one was when she was farthest out, and she was on yeah. like third card, but I think she was on like two strokes Yeah, I'll say it, it never got to a point where see. It, she was always hanging around. Because it was like Henna, Haley, Missy were all at six, and then you had Val... Holly Silva at four, and then Kristen was at three, but well, she was in a huge tie with at three under. Yeah, so she was three strokes out, but that's what put her when Haley, bumped her way down. When Haley came out of the gates kind of hot, and Kristen was you know somewhat slower. I I thought that maybe Haley was going to have another really good weekend. Yeah, and Haley didn't have a bad weekend. She, she ended up, she ended up tied for fourth. Um, the the final round though, the real storyline was Kristen. Obviously, she came out flat again, 
Henna came out even through five. Kristen was two over through five. And then Henna kind of hung with her through hole eight to where they were, <laughs> I would say back and forth, but they were both, I think, tied for the lead. So it was looking very exciting. Meanwhile, at that point, you had Evelina Solon in a few holes ahead, and she was like five under through the front nine. I think she ended up getting six under through 10. So she was charging. She was like a few strokes back. And then you had Own Scoggins from hole six to hole 12, birdieing all of them. So she started pushing. Hole nine was when things really flipped, though. That was the hole where Kristen birdied to Henna's bogey, and that was the first of what would end up being a few missed very close putts for Henna, um, which was the same old story that we've seen there a little bit. Um, And then once Kristen took that punch, she rolled with it and went birdied 9, 10, 11, 12, and then birdied 15 and 17 to finish it out. So she ended up shooting five under after starting two over through five. Own Scoggins, I believe, had the hot round for the day, possibly even the tournament, at eight under par, bringing her into second place. So she ended up, after hole nine, stepping into the contender role more so, but um, she ended up bogeying on 13, and that kind of didn't put her out of it because the, the final stretch is, is tough. But what really, I think, sealed the deal was she took a bogey to Kristen's par on 16. Yeah. Um, and from then on, it was like, okay, she's going to have to make up, I think it was four strokes with two to play. And like at that point, I mean, before it was still three strokes with three to play, and that wasn't undoable, but it felt like probably not going to happen. Four strokes, two to play, definitely wasn't going to happen. And then it was four strokes, one to play. And like then it was the sealed the deal. But Kristen showed up, did what she had to do. And now, like we had said leading into the week at the preview show, she officially has something that she is the only player to have ever done, um, which is sweeping all four majors in one season in the FPO field. Paul McBeth did it in 2015 in the MPO field. But that is a check in her GOAT argument box because before yeah. all of her accolades, there was people that had more, more major wins, more X, Y, or Z than her, um, had dominant stretches. This is something that she has on everyone else. Yeah. To some of the players, you do have to, I believe, I forget which player it is. It was either Juliana Corver or Des Redding that swept the majors in the season, but back then I think there's only two majors. Mm-hmm. So you do have to factor that in a little bit when you're talking GOAT status is like she won all four but other players might have done it if there was four. And yeah. that's what Paul McBeth tweeted. I believe this is his first tweet since June. But, you know, when something happens in disc golf that gets Paul fired up, he'll head to Twitter. So he said, I'm currently watching hashtag USWDGC, and they are sharing stats, and they say, in parentheses, modern era. What year did the modern era stats start? I feel like they're just picking a year to create storylines. Then wow. he responded back to it 30 minutes later and said, to add to my original tweet, they just posted that Kristen is the first FPO player to win all majors in a single season. That's not true at all. She's the first to win four majors in a year and the first official Grand Slam. Saying the first to win all majors is a lie. Wish you would have like included the like the other player. I know it has been done. I think it was. Juliana I think it was Juliana Corver. I, I I will say that, but it, it, it was it was very misleading because like DGN Stat Mando was being very clear when they tweeted, but DGN. Every time they said first player to win all majors in a well, season. DGN, I think sometimes like DGN likes to act like disc golf didn't exist before. Well, this isn't necessarily completely true, but some stats and they, they kind of like treat disc golf as in it, it was born in like 2018. <laughs> um, and, and I think the modern era thing is funny, like Paul was saying, and, and I wonder what they were considering for the beginning of that for like their stats, like what what would you consider the modern era of disc golf? I would say it would start with 2016 because I would say the, the beginning of the Pro Tour, which I believe was the 2016 season. That I would imagine that's what they're calling the modern era because yeah. prior to that, the tour didn't exist. There was the National, National tour, tour, but the Disc Golf Pro Tour didn't exist. So I'd imagine 
from a Disc Golf Pro Tour broadcast point of yeah. view, they can say modern era and then say like basically use our stats from they here on. They probably should have just said Pro Tour era if that was the case. Yeah, I don't I know. But I, I, I would like so personally what I would consider the modern era is probably like 2010 on yeah. somewhere in there. Um, like whenever you started having destroyers. <laughs> I like, oh, yeah. or so like before that, 06. Yeah. Sure. 06 it, on. It's funny, what like, I call modern Paul, era. Uh, to Paul's tweet, like he said, I feel like they're just trying to like pick a year to create storylines. Well, yeah. Like that yeah. is what statisticians do. Absolutely. If you follow a stats account, like they are looking, a lot of times they will find what might be a stat and then they'll be like okay but where do we need to start and end our timeline to make this the most interesting and that's just kind of what they do there's nothing they're not incorrect stats as long as they're giving you the right data uh but they definitely do well saying that was the problem was because i don't have a problem with the modern era because i don't even think you have the other one though is flat out false the saying first to win all well if that's how they worded it that is how terry miller worded it that way multiple times first to win all majors in a single season and I think you could use literature to find a way for that not to be false because, like, the first the FPO first player to win all majors all. in a season is not true, though. But no, 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 because there was two. But I'm saying, like, if you, there, I'm sure there's some loophole somewhere because, like, well, no, they didn't win these two, and these are majors, so she didn't win all oh. majors. You know what I'm saying? But it's, yeah. it's an incorrect <laughs> yeah. statement at face value. Yeah. It's 100% incorrect. Uh, but the first time I heard it and saw it, that's how I repeated it was, oh, Kristen's going to be the first to ever do this. And mm-hmm. then it's like, no, because we're just discrediting players that have done it in the past no, with really. only two. So, still, Kristen's the first to win all four majors, which is funny because that's not less impressive. Mm-hmm. Like, no. it's not like saying first to win all four or official like they Grand used to Slam. Have eight. <laughs> yeah, like they they used to have only two, so she won two more. And like, you can't say that the play, the other players would have won the next two because they didn't because yeah. they didn't exist. You can't mm-hmm. say that they didn't though either. I can't. They didn't win the other two. No, you <laughs> they didn't exist. They didn't, didn't do it. They didn't have the opportunity, man. It's not fair. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, it's not. It doesn't make it less impressive stat to say Kristen's no, the first yeah. to win all four. I don't think it's that big of a deal. But the Kristen no. slam. Well, it's a it's a big deal for um, if you're Juliana Corver, because you're you're being erased from the history books by the way they're wording it. She's Thanos. True. Too. Um, so it's a big deal for that. But someone someone commented that she did the Tiger Slam, which that's not true. Yeah, but she did better than the Tiger. Well, slam. better than a Tiger Slam. Yeah. She did the Tiger Slam, but better because Tiger Woods. Tiger, Tiger wasn't held, in one season. Yeah, he held all the titles at one time. Um, but it was but across, it was across season. two seasons. She yeah. had already done. No, she hadn't done that because um, U.S. Women's was the one she missed last. Kristen Starr is better than Tiger Woods. That, that's what I was trying to get. That's the title yeah. of this podcast. Disc golf is better than golf. Yeah, disc golf is better than Tigers. Nailed it. Tiger <laughs> um, King episode six. But there's not really there's not too much really to talk about Kristen's performance because she just did what she's done this is a very all typical year. Typical Kristen performance. And the putting, I the putting is the something putting to talk about. Ninety four percent C one X for the event. That, that total. I mean that. Not really was, much to if, talk if about. Chris is doing two. that. I mean, no, she didn't make any in the nine percent circle two all tournament. Um, I feel like in that in the woods though, a lot of times circle two, you just have obstacles. That's what. Well, that's what these these greens are very tricky. So there was a yeah. lot of a lot of circle two looks were layup for par. Yeah, um, and just take it, take a mess, and move on. What was really impressive that final round was there were several times that she was way out of position, early tree kick. The commentary team, rightfully so, I didn't feel like they were exaggerating this. We're like, bogey's going to be a good score here. I don't know. Like, there's no good line. Brian Earhart was on the ground. He's like, I don't know what she's going to have. Like, I don't be surprised to see a pitch out to the side. And then she would put it to like 15 feet. 
And like she was throwing flex shots at like it's a, it woods golf you can't really see what's going on a disc just flying through yeah. trees mm. but like she would throw a flex shot stops. and it looked like there was no gap and next thing it, you know it'd spit out and be at fifteen feet the best and she would make the putt to for describe par. watching mm. wood scrambling is like whenever you watch hockey on TV and I love watching hockey but like. Uh, sometimes it's tough to keep track of the puck, especially if like a, a defenseman hits like a slap shot from the from like the blue line. Like it uh it goes really fast and it's pretty small on TV. So a lot of times if I'm watching the playoffs and I'm like super invested in my team and I'm super nervous about the other team scoring, my eyes will just kind of go to the back of the net. I'm like not even looking to see where the puck goes. Like I'm just looking to hopefully not see a puck hit the back of the net. <laughs> and when I'm watching wood scrambling, you kind of just have to like look to see if the disc makes it out of the clearing. Like you're not going to really follow it all. You're just kind of wait to see like at what the end result is because anything that happens on the way there, you have no idea if it's going to yeah. hit you or not. Yeah. There were several times like that where she just was deep in the woods. It felt like, here we go. This could be a bogey at best. And then she would get out for par. Scrambling. And it was just crazy. Um, Hannah Blomrus also, unfortunately for her, Kristen doing what we always expect is fortunate. Hannah doing what we always expect. Unfortunate. She had a few pretty bad. They they at least hit metal this time. They, I know there's <laughs> been there's been historic ones where that hasn't been the case. These like one of them was it was even a okay thrown putt. It just the planked goes, off the front man. cage. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean you could just see it all over her when she would step up. I could read her body language. Like, this is a miss. Yeah. This is a miss right mm. here because it was a 15 footer. And you could just see the way the disc was coming out of her hand. It just like it was timid. It, it snowballs, and like all of us bad putters know that oh, feeling of walking up to. I did it three times in our last yeah, match. Yeah, walking <laughs> up to a fifteen to twenty footer and just knowing like I'm probably missing this. Like, yeah, it, yeah, we all know that feeling. Yeah, but it was it was sad to see because like it's not. She but, throws it so this. well too. Because this is the what I was about to say is Henna Blomrus would have won this tournament if she could putt, and you might think that can't be true. Oh, Kristen did a lot well. This is the, the gained putting stat is probably the best way to do it. Kristen Tatar gained 13.48 strokes in the field putting. Henna Blomrus lost 1.2, and she lost by seven strokes. So she lost almost 15 strokes in the putting green to Kristen. Tough scene. Mm-hmm. And then there it is. You're I not mean, gonna you're not gonna win a golf tournament uh, doing that. No, yeah. See, circle one X putting. She was 65 percent, and she was zero percent circle two for the weekend. You're gonna have. I'd like to know who on the pro tour this year has one with the least amount of strokes gained on the field putting. I, I would be shocked if anybody was in the negative, like if anybody won no, while losing not. strokes to the field. Surely not. I mean, Evelina Solonen was one stroke behind Henna with a worse putting performance. 57% C1X lost 2.4 strokes in the field um, putting. So she had a... So Evelina and Henna, they are the players we thought they were when it comes to throwing a disc. They just can't putt. They're just the biggest... Yeah, they're the biggest what-if in FPO because they would both be like... In, in, like, I mean, just looking at We would at have that, three Christians to talk. Yeah, I was like, just looking at that stat, if they were good putters, I mean, they would be, yeah, right on that level because they do throw so well. Like, they, they throw the disc far. They are accurate. They're incredible at throwing the disc. So, yeah. they just need, like, uh, gale force wins for throw pink. And so putting just gets taken out of the equation and they're in business. Yeah. The final thing I wanted to bring up is post the event, the Disc Golf Pro Tour um, put on their story a picture of just this pen of a bunch of goats mm-hmm. and then big letters at Kristen Tatar under Making it. Making a stance. How do we feel about the Pro the Tour pro calling a, uh, active, an active player a goat? 
That is interesting. That is interesting, isn't it? I don't know if the NBA would be out here daring to do something like that. It's brave of them. It wouldn't surprise me if the NBA put like King James and just like they would. But they, I don't think they would call him the goat because like calling him King James is different. Are they? Were, do you think that they're just taking some of the like, uh, like they're not saying like she is the goat? This is what I think. They're, or they're just kind of being like, oh, goat. Like she's she's goat. Like you know, greatest of all time. What's that saying? I, I know, can't, but like, can't do you say think that. Maybe they're just taking the power away from this. It. Maybe they don't quite understand how important that phrase. Well, is. Well, what I think <laughs> is that this is just a social media manager that saw a bunch of goats and was like, oh, this is fun. And imposed it, not yeah. thinking I'm making an official statement. From That's the what disc I'm saying. Pro yeah. right. It's not. It's not that deep. It's no. funny. It's a good post. It's funny. I'm pissed off. I'm Paige Pierce staying at home in a boot, and I see the pro mm. tour calling someone else. Well, like goat. Kristen told her, you know. Yeah, I don't know if y'all saw that post, but Paige posted and, and basically said that at, she was writing this long post, and again, you have to read into it Super to make bizarre. something out of nothing here. But it is a weird place to put a quote. That's what we do on this podcast. Um, we make something. She out of just nothing. wrote. It's like this long post about how she's content being where she's at right now, prepping for her wedding and all of this. And all of her previous posts were about like how she wishes she was on the course and she needs to just take time. That was all of it. But in the midst of it, she threw in um, something about like Chris and Tatar told me at, like when I was leaving Norway after I broke my foot, like maybe this is a sign that you need to slow down. But like where she put it in there, it like it, it felt a little out of context and with historical posts of Paige V Kristen it felt like a little bit of a shot, although I don't think it was intended to be. It's just when you see things through a certain lens for a while, then you read that comment with a certain lens. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I do. It. I knew. Well, because what you're like, saying, like yeah. I mean, the whole Missy Gannon thing at Worlds created this Paige v. Kristen narrative. Yeah, yeah that's and then true. when you put that quote into that narrative, there's only one place it fits, I, even though it's probably not where it belongs. I do know what yeah. you're saying, man. With that being said, it's time for a fan favorite segment: Trevor's trivia. Trev's triv. Trivia with Trevor. Trip, trip. Trip, trip. Trip, trip. All right. <laughs> I got another one of these sporacle quizzes. I haven't done one of these in a while. Hit yeah. them with it. Um, all right. So what I have here is a list of the MPO players with one plus major win. Okay. So you have to have at least one. It looks like there's there's a, there's a good bit. Quite a few that only have one. Uh, not there, There's definitely, I would say, half the list probably only has one. So we're just naming MPO players that have at least one at major win. At least win. one major. And we just go for how long? The the time limit on this one they give you, like all of them, is not very accurate. They give you like 10 minutes. But how long are you giving us? Uh, I'm going to give you... We're going to do this to where I'm going to give is it, you... This is MPO majors. Like not an MPO player that won an MP40 major. Correct. Yeah. I'm going to give you <sighs> only two minutes. One? Two minutes and you have to go... At least one. You have to go back and forth. Oh, gosh. What happens if I get one wrong? That's Okay. Okay. That's okay. You can guess wrong. Guessing wrong is fine. But can, you have to keep going to get one. Can Hunter give me hints? <laughs> yeah, no. You <laughs> have, back and forth. If you guess wrong, you have to keep going to get one. Yeah. Okay. All right. You I'm, start? I'm, so, I'm sorry, you Hunter. Get the timer. <laughs> Two minutes. We can stay in the modern era. and. Okay. All right. All right. Ready and go. Isaac Robinson. Chris Dickerson. Paul McBeth. James Conrad. Ricky Wysocki. Jeremy Colling. Greg Barsby. Avery Jenkins. J- you said it. Um, we're getting into Nate Doss, Eric McCabe, Ken Climo, Dave Feldberg, Barry Schultz. Do I need to go again? No, 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 no. Okay. No, no it's my turn. <laughs> I just got to think who we haven't said. Gannon Burr. Gannon Burr. 
throw a name out there. <sighs> well, Calvin famously hasn't won. Mm-hmm. Um, ooh, ooh, ooh. Think though, same team. Nate Nate Sexton. Yeah, baby. Okay. Um, Harold Duvall. Oh, okay. That's one. Um, did you say Eric McCabe? I did. Uh, did Schwebby win? Not an MPO major, I don't Dang think. It. Um, ooh, you're thinking, ooh, okay, okay. Can I give him hints? <laughs> yeah. Dang it. <laughs> you can. <laughs> just uh, hop into this one. Okay, all right. I didn't give right. him a hint. All right, you, you didn't give me a, oh. <laughs> I don't think that helped me. Dang it. Uh, so I know that, so Johnny McRae didn't win anything because that was one of the things we talked about last time, but who else is there? Who's the black putter? We already said him. Um, who are you just thinking of? He's like jump putts with the black putter. That's like his outside oh, the circle. Oh, Feldberg. Feldberg. Yeah. yeah. Him. Um, Did you guys name uh, like our favorite player yet? No, he didn't. Paul McBeth? No. Our favorite player. Our favorite. Who's our favorite player? <laughs> He's a real prodigy. Yeah, five seconds. Oh, Will Schuster. Steve Brinster. Okay. Time's okay. up. We yeah, we got them both. Okay. That's all, I was trying to get you to Brinster or the Brinster hop. <sighs> Okay, I'm making sure I didn't. I'm gonna make sure I didn't miss anything. Okay, well, I only got really bad stuck on one. So you guys, that's you guys came out the gates hot. Um, all right, let me see. Well, I mean, it's so easy how, to how many are there? Did you okay, say you said it's Rick? It's probably like a hundred something. No, there's not. You said Rick. Yep. You said Avery. Yep. I don't. Be- did you? S- you said Barsby as well. Yes. I missed that one. Um, I don't believe you said Eagle. No. Did you okay. say Conrad? Yep. Yep. Okay, you said Conrad. We didn't say si- Simon either. I don't think Simon, Simon won a major? major. Oh, you're right. Did you say Nico? No. No. Dang. Did you say Steve Rico? No. No. <laughs> what did Rico win? Apparently, he has two majors. No. Um. Okay. So that all right. I think I have your full list. So you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Good pick on Harold Duvall. Thank you. Yeah. That was, Eleven, that was twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. I don't know if that year's right. 18. <laughs> you said it was so much confidence, though. You got 18 out of 31. Some names that okay. you missed. Steve Rico, Nicola Castro, Sam Ferrans. Yep, that was a 16-year-old uh, Eagle McMahon, one. Jesper Lungmark, he has two. Uh, Cam Todd, Greg Hossville. A lot of the ones, Ron Russell. Ah, Ron Johnny Zias, Corey, Corey Ellis. Mm. Didn't, say good, didn't have the newest one there, or one of the newer ones. Uh, and then a couple like older guys. But you did you did a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. Missing Nico LaCastro. Yeah, I would say Eagle and one. Nico were two of the names that are like, ah, I should have got that. Uh, Harold Duvall was 1982. Dang. Age of 19, he was the first ever world champ. But 18, wow. 18 out of 31. You guys can go find this quiz on Sporacle if you uh, if you search for disc golf MPO players with one plus major wins quiz. Um, test your friends. Obviously, you've now heard. Comment answers, down below which players you said during that that we didn't. Yeah. Who were the biggest misses there? That was pretty good. Uh, so last week on the episode, we were talking about time lapses, I believe. Simon time lapses. Time lapse releases, effect, yep. Releases were coming up. Butterfly Releases effect. have happened. And now, so previously it was like, what is MVP doing? I, like I got to get on eBay for this. We were trying to figure things out. No, I'm not even going to eBay because eBay's flippers. I need to like ch- double check it. I mean, discs are flipping for crazy amounts. They're flipping yeah. for like 270 plus dollars. But what, I, what I'm bringing up here is some retailers... I don't know what the frick they were thinking. They weren't oh, thinking. Oh, hit them with it. Is what I'm thinking. Oh, hit them with it. First off, I'm just going to name drop them. Go ahead. Because why not? Disc Man. Golf Center. Oh, Hunter, was, you need to do them like that. Was dropping these. I, I had to check the site for myself because I didn't believe it when I saw the picture. Oh, my gosh. It just says time lapse on their site. 
from, so this means the lowest it's listed for. So it's not like they only sold one for this. This was just like listed for $160. It's crazy. Did they sell out? I, I'm sure. Check the site. Because, I mean, these discs are flipping for a lot. So, are you allowed to do that? I think so. Shouldn't have been. I would agree you shouldn't have been, but, okay, yeah, I, mean, I don't see you, them anymore. So, so it looks like most of them on eBay are selling from anywhere from 150 to $200. Um, I just, hope you didn't buy it for 160 stock. then. But if you were able to, this guy got one with the MVP open stamp on it, which is really cool, by the way. How did, yeah, um, if you were at MVP yeah, open. Yeah, at MVP yeah. open. And he got Simon to sign it, which also wouldn't have been that hard. You just wait for the autographs. Yeah. $355 oh, is what that sold for. Well, so sold, oh, yeah, then DZ sense. Discs, which this isn't, Another, this isn't nearly MVP Open Stamp, they only made 250 of them. Yeah. This well, those one, are also allegedly from the production run, yeah. not from the production run. They sold for 290 280 There's also a Lake Le- Lester Mass stamp yeah, out there somewhere. That's what that's on the MVP Open one. That's the Lester. Oh, there's two MVP Open Stamps. Oh, then. this Bear Lester Mass one is the one that's selling for like Because there's also bucks. one that just has the SL logo, the Simon Line we logo. We haven't seen a disc like have heat like this in a while. Well, anyway, so then DZ Discs. Uh, now, this one, they didn't do anything that criminal. Mm-hmm. They just opened it for bidding is how they sold them instead, oh. of, mm-hmm. instead of just <laughs> dropping them. So they started that's the bid crazy. at $10, and this auction ended at $360. Wow. So retailer sold it $360. There and then uh, D Town. There was a lot of other companies selling them. D Town dropped them in store for sixty a piece. Guys, mm. guys. So I don't know what what are y'all's opinions on retailers? So MSRP for this and MAP, which is minimum advertised price, and then manufactured suggested retail price was suggested as a keyword. There was mm-hmm. forty. Yeah. What do y'all are think re- of retailers selling? Is manufacturer allowed to I, tell people exactly that you can't sell them for more than this? I don't think so. I don't know. I mean, I'm, legally, I'm sure they could, yeah. but they didn't. That's well, I, that's I, why I think because I don't think it's. I think the retailers, it's one of those like, how do you want to be perceived? And ultimately, probably a lot of them, it's not that big of a deal to them, and like whatever. I'm not gonna make a huge fuss about it. I think it's weird, but I think that. It should have been MVP telling people, no, you need to sell them for this. Yeah, I, was, I think it's it's sorry, it's on no, the manufacturer to prevent price gouging on their products. Like if you want to take care of your fans and your consumers, you should try and prevent price gouging. I agree with you on that. I, I, but also, you gave them only ten discs, so then again, it kind of goes back to you again. It's it seems. <laughs> uh, I don't necessarily have a problem with a retailer who it seems weird to me. Um. Yeah. that they would but well, also like you're a small business I mean, you like know you it's gonna like yeah it's kind of yeah. tough because like you know you got 10 if you can sell them all for 150 to 300 dollars like yeah. y- oh the whole problem yeah. the, one, yeah. the problem to me is you aren't buying these at stock price you're buying them at wholesale price yeah on average true. as a disc golf retailer you're making like seven eight bucks a disc mm-hmm. average somewhere in there maybe 10 uh, yeah. on good discs you're making like 20-ish bucks somewhere in the $20 range a disc on these. So it's not like selling them at MSRP is killing you. Yeah, right. Yeah, It's not like you're still only making a normal amount. And yeah, we everyone only got 10. But guess what? In a few weeks, we're going to have unlimited amounts of the stock run that's also going to sell for like hotcakes. What, in my opinion, this screams from retail side you don't give two craps about your customer base. Yeah, it feels oh, very unprofessional. It that, does yeah. feel really unprofessional. Because to me, if if you're going to do it like that, to, in my opinion, just if you're, it's kind of a scummy move anyway, so just go full scum mode and create a fake profile and just flip it on eBay. Because then at least people don't know it's you. 
But, yeah, yeah. Because like to me, or just technically buy it if you're the retail owner, just buy it from yourself, and then would, you and then here's you sell what it feels it. Like. like it would be like when the PlayStation Five first came out and there was no stock. Um, it would be like when Walmart got their shipment of ten of them if they started listing them for a thousand dollars because they would have sold. They would have still yeah. sold, mm-hmm. but they didn't. They listed for retail price because. Mm-hmm. Well, that's my thing. There is probably like, was regulations on it. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. Back, sure. MVP probably could have and should have put regulations on the max you could advertise it for. But like, I don't have problems with flippers. Like, I don't have a problem with someone paying forty dollars for this disc. No, and no. then trying to flip it on Not eBay because like, you paid. You're just a consumer. Yeah. You bought it at forty, and then the market's telling you, is it worth more than you paid? Mm-hmm. That's fine. Because you're taking the risk of when do you choose to sell it? When do you choose whatever? Retailers, like, you knew the 10 was going to sell. So, like, you knew you could sell it for whatever. I mean, people could have listed it for $200 and you would have made two grand. I think all the, instantly. all the like, retail store owners are going to be talking about, it's like when everybody got stimulus checks and they'd be like, what'd you get with your stimmy? They're going to be like, what'd you get with your time-lapse money, man? Like, I bought a new watch. <laughs> yeah, I just... Time-lapse money. <laughs> I, I was... My jaw was on the floor when I was scrolling and seeing post from retailers and post about retailers for what people were selling these things for because i'm like insane what are you thinking yeah. like it just sends a message that i don't think people would want you to send like i don't think that's true of any of these companies but it's just like at the end of the day it just screams like we care more about money than our customers to me if we if you are a retail store owner which i know a lot of retail store owners do listen to this podcast. I've walked into a lot of disc golf shops that are playing grip locked. Uh, so it might be kind of be an awkward situation for some people if they're listening to this in their store while they're selling them. For that. <laughs> but uh, if you did do that, I, I think that you should justify yourself in the comments. Well, yeah, let let you, us know. The yeah. Justification is like, we need to make rent. Well, yeah. Well, just, yeah. Well, justification, yeah. Well, just, let's they just, only sent us 10. Maybe we're, yeah. let's just hear it. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. There is, there is a, you know, this does also, like I said, go back to the fact that they were only given 10 of them. Like, well, yeah, we, I, well, I'm yeah. not addressing that as we addressed that last week. Yeah. I already called MVP out There's, last is week. A, the that whole, was an awful decision. The whole, thing has been, the whole thing has been super weird and not but ideal. the rent argument, again, a few weeks from now, these will still be a very hot item and you can order 500 of them. Yeah. And then you can sell them at 20 it's bucks a, a piece. Tough, it's definitely a tough place to be. There you go. I mean, that in, in a few weeks, we're going to have the stock run. But like, the demand, the crazy demand is why, like, personally, we chose not to drop them. We're just going to put them into mystery boxes. So then people, if you buy a mystery box, you're guaranteed value. This is how I thought through it. And I'm sure there's some people that think this is wrong thinking. But how I think through it is every mystery box we put out for Black Friday is going to have a custom stamp disc or a rare disc of some kind. So then everyone buys it and you're not going to be disappointed because there is a rare disc in it. And there's a chance it's time lapse, but we're not going to use the time lapse as the main marketing point to buy it because there's only like ten of them. Yeah. And our Charleston store, I believe, did um because they only got a few. I believe they did like a you could buy like a raffle ticket for like a dollar, so mm. that it went to random because instead of having people come in, so that was similar to the DZ disc. Well, it's not similar because one person isn't paying three hundred sixty bucks, but like right. a raffle ticket in person, I feel like that's not a bad idea. And they even had they had one donated back to them. The guy bought it bought a raffle ticket, won it, and then was like, hey, for some reason they didn't want it. So now... Yeah, low-key, the raffle's not the worst idea because then your customers only have to put in a buck. Yeah. And then... Because everyone yeah, like wants you one. Still, you can still get a ton of money out of it, arguably more. And... and it's a better look because your customers yeah. only paid a dollar. Wait a second, yeah. man. 
but then the um, anyway, great well, idea. in some states it's illegal. But ah, then because um, mm, I the, guess it's kind of gambling, kind of, kind of fifty um, fifties. But the what you call it? Then they donated it, one of the guys donated it back to the Charleston store, and then Charleston I guess didn't know what to do with it. I didn't make any of these decisions. Uh, Avery and Dylan who runs it, it did, but I like what they did because then they auctioned it off. Yeah, with all money going to charity. Oh, that's a great idea. So Come got, on, boys! They need it back, and they're like, yeah. "Well, now we have it back, so we're just going to auction it, it and a hundred percent of whatever this goes for is going to charity." So I think that's awesome. I think people got creative with what they could do, and that's fine. The because, like I said, the bidding one, I didn't really have a problem with. I just thought it was crazy. It went for three hundred and sixty dollars because bidding, you're taking a risk as a retailer, as like it could have, well, if not just, enough traffic went to your site, a minimum bid at ten dollars is what they said it for. Minimum, minimum bid. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Fair so enough. like if 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 no one went to DZ discs, they could have sold it for ten bucks. That's the risk they were that taking. Mm-hmm. Now it went for three hundred sixty. You guys ever when you were younger like get on eBay and see stuff and be like, yeah. and be like, well, what if like nobody saw it except for me? Yeah. Like what if like what if I put this bid on here and then nobody saw it and I got a PlayStation Six for ten dollars? <laughs> for me, it was like I'm, unreleased PlayStation Six. <laughs> I see this this Gibson ES three thirty five and it's on there for a hundred dollars. Yeah, like. like I'm gonna bid like, on it. Like, what are the odds that like all these people see? All right, it? I'm willing to pay four hundred. I'm gonna put four hundred. It sells for four grand. <laughs> I would always like intentionally misspell whatever I was looking for, hoping that someone else did. <laughs> I'm like, well, but nice if they play. misspelled it, I might be the only person That's that finds hilarious. it with a misspelling. Nice play. Uh, it never worked. eBay I expert. bid. I bid on so many lots of things. Yeah, you ever go on eBay and just type in like whatever you're looking for, lot. Yeah, if you just add the word lot, you disc find a bunch lots, of them. Oh, disc lots. Are awesome. I, I, Nerf lots, airsoft I mean, I bought, lots. I bought a CE lot, and that's how I got my CE Firebird. Oh, dang. Big that's lots. sick. Yeah. Big, Big lots. lots, yeah. yeah. Now, speaking in, uh, <laughs> speaking of, this is a perfect transition because... Uh, speaking of scummy business. No, people... <laughs> no. Trevor, no. 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 People taking money for things that they probably shouldn't. The PDGA is now doing brand deals. <laughs> That's <ain't> better. <laughs> uh, this is an interesting one. So this isn't the first time this has happened. The PDGA posted on Instagram a while ago with the European Open, mm-hmm. the like tech disc rival, and they did a sponsored post. Instagram's audience is a lot more um, forgiving. Mr. Nice Guy. I guess you can say. Brody okay. Smith is in patrol so, in those streets. All the comments on... Well, no, this, this is what's fascinating. I'll get to that in a second. All the comments on the Instagram posts were all just like, course. oh, interesting. I'll, I'll try that out at some point. All this. The Twitter brand posts, they do for this uh, touch disc off storage. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, I mean, this is ridiculous. It's to it think says, about. discover how you can revolutionize your uh, you, how you organize and display your passion with touch disc off at the link below. Hashtag disc golf, hashtag ad. And they wrote like an SEO article. And then they wrote like an article, basically. It's, it's a paid pro post. They put hashtag ad. That's just so crazy um, to me. So the PDJ is doing brand deals. And so then everyone on Twitter, this is what was fascinating. Dude, Andrew is Fish got fired Andrew off, Fish effed him out like he, four different times up dang. and down. He got, he like, he literally said like, no, like I actually need a written response to this. Like it's unacceptable. Like you, they better write a response to me. Like, yeah, because that's... Them. It takes it really realistically only the PDGA could unite Brody haters and Brody fans that's true. in hatred towards one thing. <laughs> that's true. And only the PDGA has that type of power, and that's what <laughs> happened here. Is basically the this is shout out PDGA. This is their most engagement they've ever gotten on a tweet. <laughs> shout out, shout um, out. This is actually a paid ad by. That's the probably PDGA. what they thought. They just saw like nobody was going to see this tweet because nobody pays attention to our Twitter. Yeah, uh, we paid. That is so crazy to and me. And so that they would people do that. were just lighting them up. And some people though were bringing up questions of like they like um they were defending it a little bit. My thing is, 
I was going to call it out, but the only reason I didn't was because the night, literally the day before, I tweeted about an ad in the PDJ magazine that I thought Latitude 64 did a good job on. Uh-huh. And then I was about to quote tweet this, and I was like, is that going to make me kind of hypocritical if I just basically told the PDJ, like, I love this ad in this disc golfer magazine, and the next tweet is, why the frick are you running ads? Mm. Because the, I think that's where, for the PDJ, it's probably a blurry line, because, like, They've been doing this disc golfer magazine yeah. for since the dawn of the PDGA. It feels like I think it's True. a, I think a lot of it, the magazine is just yeah. a paper version of social media. I think a lot of the argument is more of an appearances thing. Yes, it's like, that's my argument. Yeah, because like the magazine, it's it's when it's your social media and like the entire post. It wasn't even subtle. It was just like here is here's an ad a hashtag yeah. ad. Like it, it'd be one thing if it was like. If the PDJ was partnering partnering with other organizations Correct. and yeah. like doing it a little more side by side, it almost looked like they hacked the PDJ account and posted. No, because <laughs> so here's the problem: is like the PDJ is not content creators, mm-hmm. right? Like, if this came from heck, if this came from PDJ Rodman, I wouldn't find that weird, right? Because like they're a content creator. The PDJ though exists to. Does PDJ Rodman still make stuff? I don't know. I haven't I heard from him in a I've while. I haven't heard from him in a long time. Maybe he blocked us. Um, wouldn't that be interesting to be blocked by PJ Robin? Uh, but the PGA, their social accounts should be solely about promoting disc golf and stuff like that. And this could have went a lot better. And I don't think anyone would have batted their eye if touch disc golf became the official storage partner of the PDGA. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's like a co-branded thing. And like, this is the initiative and we're going to be, you know, touch disc golf is providing us with these so that we can put them up in schools. So at PE class and inside the storage closet, they're going to have blah, blah, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's a seamless integration that does good for the sport, does good for the growth of the sport and fits the PDGA brand identity while still promoting this product. Mm-hmm. The problem was this was just basically touch disc golf, wrote a post, sent it to the PDGA, slipped them probably 250 bucks. And the PDGA is like, send it. Yep. Yeah, we kinda, we honestly reacted to this wrong because we should have tried to get an ad. We still could. We still could, but I don't know. It'd be the ultimate. It would be how the much ultimate like, funny play. It would be great. It'd be hilarious. Dude, would be really maybe we'll reach funny. out and see if we can get a piece. They don't listen to this. Robin hasn't posted since July. That's tough. I think he's gone though. Um, maybe we should try to get a sponsored post for Grip Locked. That would be hilarious. Listen to the number one podcast. Listen to this episode of us talking bad about it. That'd be freaking funny. <laughs> we Name definitely we might have to try that. Name your price, PDGA. Check the pricing. Yeah, that's really what I want to know is how much it cost. Yeah, I think I'd be. I'm not sure if I'd be more mad if it was expensive or cheap. Well, I think that was the. Other, <laughs> that's the that's the other side of this is like our our PDGA. Yeah, I'm gonna be mad either way, but I'm not people, sure. People like our PDJ memberships have gotten us less and less over the years. Yeah, and like, it costs more and more, man. And the they, the cost hasn't exactly. I don't know if the cost has changed up or down. But it hasn't oh, gone down. Oh, it is going up. Has it gone up? I don't know. I don't think it has. <laughs> I've been paying $75 for years. I don't even pay for it anymore. Yeah. I just hack it. Um, I'm just kidding. I've been paying $75 <laughs> for years. I don't think the PJ membership's gone up, but like DGN subscription price has gone up. I is it $75 I'm a pro. pro right. Okay. Oh my gosh. It was 50, throw up. 50 for AM. Yeah. It was 45 whenever I... Okay, so it has four, gone up then. I think it was 40 or 45 whenever I, I first joined. Can, so it might have gone up a little bit. I can find a receipt. Um, I know it was in the 40s. But was it like 49 though by chance? No, I'm pretty sure it okay. was $40, but it might have been 45 Okay, so maybe it has gone up a little bit then. But you got UDisc Pro for free. You don't get that anymore. You got the I 50%. I remember because I asked my dad. 50% <laughs> DGN discount has gone. You still get that, but DGN's gone up. So that's cost has gone up. So like, and now you, uh, 
um, if you're not a PDGA member, you just can't play in C tiers anymore. So you have to be a PDGA member. Dang. So like the PDGA has taken away benefits instead of adding benefits, and now they're monetizing in a new way. And they like that. Like it would be one thing if the PDGA was like, "Hey, everyone's discounted is like everyone's getting five dollar discount, and we're support we're able to do this because of new monetization efforts." And like you told us, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to load an email from 2015. I've got to remember. That just feels weird. <laughs> I don't know. It was more so just it doesn't it doesn't pass the eye test. Like if you dig yeah. down to it, probably nothing really wrong with it per se. It just like yeah. is the look of it is wrong that's what and i was like gonna the integrity ask. Real, behind it because someone else also brought up a good point they're like you know what it feels like is like oh if you pay you can get the pdga to do what you want yes so it's like so what else can i pay to make the pdga mm-hmm. do and that's, that's what point. it feels like that's, that's where the the line kind of gets blurry and feels wrong that's what i was gonna say was i i can't i was gonna ask you guys what what the actual like issue was with it because it feel it doesn't feel right and i think and i was gonna say basically the same thing is it feels like pdga can be bought now to be fair mm, it can i feel the same way about the disc golf pro tour doing straight up brand deals okay because like again i don't mind creative integration where it explains what's happening because mm-hmm. like on the ground advertising that makes sense you know what i mean but like when it's a social post you're basically just selling the audience itself. Like you're not providing value in that moment. Yeah, like yeah. if I'm providing value by putting on this event and the tickets for the event are directly cheaper because of advertising added or whatever, like I'm providing value by putting on this event you're coming to the event, you're seeing it. This, there's no value provided to me unless yeah. I spend money. Well, because if you think about it, whenever you do a do an ad read or a brand deal, you are selling your audience yeah. to this to this thing so whenever you see that just scrolling through instagram or, or or anything like that like oh this is how much i'm worth to them like it, it has it gives you kind of that kind of feeling of like i'm not valued by them because they just and are again, just throwing this right in my face they're taking advantage okay. of the why i, I think them. you don't feel it with the pro tour is you do feel valued by the pro tour every other day the pro tour provides so much value yeah. and then there's just a they have a really good um give to ask ratio mm-hmm. so the whereas of- the pdga is already being criticized for like players not being valued by them yeah. so then it just like adds to that narrative like you that already have sense. a bad narrative going against you then you need to do stuff to change the narrative and i feel like this added to it which is what created this backlash when the actual action of the brand deal is not that criminal it's just mm-hmm. the feel of it makes you farther mis- distrust of an organization that's already been losing trust yeah that makes a lot of sense a junior membership back when i got involved this is a junior membership so you'd be i guess below 18 it's only 30 bucks Let's see what the let's just see PDJ um, Junior membership cost. Yeah, so see if that one's gone up. Uh, thirty dollars, still thirty bucks. So that's impressive. Starting, to, I'm trying to see if I have any of my receipts from like when I got my first non-junior. I mean, surely, I, I mean, every email they send you is renew, renew, renew. Oh, here we go. Okay, this is fifty bucks for my AM membership. Yeah, in uh, this is in twenty. 2018. So five years later, it's still fifty dollars. That's pretty good. So their their cost hasn't their cost to you hasn't gone up. When did you join? I don't remember. Is it earlier than 2018? Mm, No, probably not early. Not earlier than 2018. So then the cost hasn't gone up. All right, moving on. Another social post. This one comes from Dynamic Discs. Basically, the rest of this podcast is gonna be social posts because there's just a bunch of fascinating ones. This one came from Dynamic Disc. Um. Literally Tuesday of last week, I think. 
And the A, the big storyline from it is Carter Aarons has left Dynamic Discs um, when they responded to a comment and it seems as though basically... It was $50. What, it was 50 Yep. It seems as though what happened was he essentially got an offer from another company. It seems like he's already inked the deal with another company and Dynamic Discs basically agreed to let him go. Um, is that's what it seemed like in the comments. The the main reason, I mean, obviously Carter Aaron's leaving is a is a semi big storyline. He's he's made some noise on the pro scene. It's more so he has a big ceiling. A lot of people feel. Um, I would be one of those people. I feel like he does have a good upside, but it's not like a Gannon Burr type movement yet, where yeah. he hasn't he hasn't made noise when it comes to winning or even like top three, top five. No. He might have come top five. I don't think so though. Um, but what what made this post make noise was the way they worded it it, it sounded like that he had died is the way so <laughs> just, just the first few lines it, you clarified it but it starts with today we bid farewell to carter aarons a player we saw grow from junior to pro that's line yeah one. yeah and that and then they entered in between it so you just read that and it's just a picture of him so a lot of people were like why what the heck why did you start it that way i literally thought this guy died <laughs> and the too. next line was I did too. we're grateful for all he, all he contributed to our team and wishing the best of luck as he continues his professional career <laughs> thanks for the memories carter Save oh man Roller coaster yeah. engagement though yeah it did get a lot of engagement <laughs> do you want a lot of engagement on a post announcing a player's leaving your team Bad point yeah, yeah. Point, man. I don't know. Anyways, it'll be interesting to see where Carter lands and when that announcement comes. Because like I said, like, it seems like it's already a done deal. It doesn't seem like he is entering free agency. It seems like a company has already let's just throw out, locked let's him just in. Let's just throw out names. Just Mania. I can feel that. Tech disc. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking Discraft. I think that... He seems like a Discraft Teams, guy. they just have so many players. I think that... And he wouldn't be on their elite team. But I could see it. Lone I, Star. Uh, I, ooh, Lone Star? Ooh, Lone Star dirty Lone Star. I oh. uh, I think that teams sh- should start... Clean Lone Star. They should announce <laughs> players leaving like when a team in sports gets like beat really bad and like their Twitter will just put like final score, blah, blah, blah. And like, there's nothing else. No picture, no nothing. They make it very subtle. That's how they should do it. should be like, Carter Aaron's left the team. Then that's it. That's the only thing in the post. It's kind of like whenever... Or just like, put it on their story. So-and-so left yeah. the chat. Yeah, just make it very, yeah, make it very subtle. <laughs> that would be funny. It's like the the team dynamic group chat and just screenshot the part where it just says Carter Aaron's left the chat. <laughs> I'm still in the team dynamic group chat. It's awesome. Wow. Oh, shh. <laughs> uh, the final family. the final post to read to wrap up this show. Is me in Olive Garden. I I chickened out at the Olive Garden dinner. <laughs> you were supposed to be there. My only, I was there. I just wasn't member. Yeah, we no, were saying you were supposed to be there. You were supposed to I be showed there. Up. I showed you didn't up. show up. I'm the father that stepped up. We have finally heard something from Katrina Allen. Um, you know, we've been wondering what's going on. You this doesn't exactly anything. answer, but she has at least addressed it. Um, there is something going on. We How did you hear about it? I had to go to Foundation's account to find okay. her. She All didn't right. block Foundation. Oh, that's a good one. Someone, someone, what happened Blocked. is someone posted in the Discord and said, oh, Katrina finally made a post about what's going on this season because she lost by 30 again this weekend. Mm-hmm. That's like, what, five <laughs> weekends in a row? Basically, as soon as I said it was shocking, she just decided to make that her new standard and just like rolled mm. with it the rest of the year. Oh my God. Um, well, she wouldn't have seen you say that, but yeah. Correct, yeah. <laughs> um, but someone posted in the Discord, in our debate night Discord, and it was like linked to the post, and then I clicked on the post, and it just like came up, and I was remembered I was blocked. So I had yeah. to switch my Instagram account to go walk, see you this You hear post. that, Katrina? You better, you better block the other account. Yeah, block. <laughs> I've got, if you just do that, I'll He's create another account, and, and another, another account, account, and another account. <laughs> He's going to find That's it. That's different between you and I. 
I'll just keep making another paper company. Hunter Thomas uh, Instagram company. Yeah. Uh, this is the post said. There's been a combo of things after the preserve that have happened that have hit me pretty hard. I won't go into detail because that's not the point of Are this Are you going to read this whole post? Yes. Okay. I wish she would go into detail. Well, I figured, like, what am I going to do? I just got to get comfortable. She doesn't say anything in this post. I got to get comfortable. It's a long post. So the only, I just don't the only like way it. I can do anything with this post is to read it. I just don't like it when people say, I'm not going to go into detail. I love details. Well, <laughs> what I'm about to read is a whole bunch of nothing. Okay. As far as information that's actually mm. applicable to what's going on in the course. Yeah. So It's like season two of Only Murders in the Building. I haven't watched it yet, <laughs> but maybe. It's a joke. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> There's been a combo of things after the preserve that have happened that have hit me pretty hard. I won't go into detail because that's not the point of this post. The last thing I need is a pity party. These things have been devastating and I've handled them poorly. I've become angry, frustrated, and bitter, and even resentful. These are characteristics I usually despise in others and feelings I try to be conscious of and not act on. As I've reflected... So is that a little interesting that she said like about like resentfulness and bitterness and then said it's usually something she despises in other? Isn't that being bitter? If you despise something in another... Anyways. That's being dispository. These are characteristics I usually despise in others and in feelings I try to be conscious of and not act on. As I've reflected on the last few months, I've learned that I've allowed these things to turn me into someone I don't recognize and don't want to be. Although for the last month I've been doing things like working out, ice baths, running, practicing harder, etc., I've realized, thanks to some perspective from Austin, that none of it will matter if I don't start being more positive and kinder to myself and others. When I'm feeling down and not successful, I tend to isolate myself, and there's a weird feeling of not feeling worthy of love and happiness. I share all this to say I'm so sorry to my fans, friends, car mates, and sponsors. I've allowed these things to allow me to lose perspective. There are so many things to celebrate and be grateful for, but I have disappointedly chosen to focus on the negative and hate from people that don't really matter. Just like all bad habits, I'm sure things won't change overnight, and I plan to slowly improve each day to come out of this slump and mood, but my main goal is to try to enjoy the moment, be available for fans and friends, and start being more positive and kind to myself and others. Through this time, there's been some pretty amazing people on both and both of my incredible sponsors who have reached out in love and support, and I'm grateful for those people. They have inspired me to wake up and get out of this funk. So thanks, thank, so thankful for a new day to be better. Before we say anything about what this post doesn't say, I'll just say that was a really nice post. Yeah, no, I, she, feel, I felt like it actually said a lot, but it just didn't say anything on the news side of anything. But it said a it, lot about like just her emotional state and everything. I thought it was a very well worded. Well, what it feels post. like is what we assumed is somewhat true. Of like there is something going on with Jim yeah. Allen. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure that out because someone who has the talent to compete is finishing thirty strokes behind the lead. Yeah. So obviously sense. something's going on. Mm-hmm. It, what we always were wondering is like, is it an injury? It seems like it answers. It's not a physical injury. It's just like yeah. exterior things have her in a dark place mentally where she's not almost like she's losing confidence on the course because she doesn't believe in herself anymore because she's so she's spent so much time focus and dwelling, focusing on dwelling on things that are negative outside of the sport that it's pouring into her on-course performance, which has then led to poor performance, which has then left, led to self-doubt, which has then led to isolation, which has then led to losing by 30 strokes at the U.S. Women's. Is that basically was, the... That was very astute. Um, so, like I said, no real answer detail-wise, but at least a look into what's going on has been provided, which we've been waiting for because, I mean, the preserve was what, back May? Mm. June? June. So, July, August, September. It's been like three, maybe three and a half months that one out there. since uh, the preserve. So, we've been wondering it for a while. At least now there's a little window into some type of answer. Um, I feel like we need to like write her a card or something. We can. 
If I send it, she won't get it. That's a good point. That post made me so sad, but also happy for her. Well, it's good. Like, it's a weird spot in professional disc golf, I feel like, because, like, the professional athletes are so accessible to fans. Yeah. To where more than other sports, they feel like friends a lot more than fans. Mm-hmm. And until recently, there hasn't really been media that's critical in any way, shape, or form. So if you are a, if you are a pro that has like started years and years ago and is entering, as Paul would say, the modern era, um, <laughs> then the transformation of media has happened as well to where there's way more noise yeah. now than there was back in earlier days. Noisemakers. We are some of the noisemakers. There's way <laughs> more than up. just us. But TLC. Pre- prior to that, like the only... Smashbox and Terry Miller and them, they're phenomenal. They do they did incredible work to make disc golf a just watchable. Um, but like literally you couldn't have watched it without them. Hit him with it. Um but they also did a good job covering it as the the podcast, but they were the people and still are the people that were covering it both on the course and off the course. And so you gotta be friends with the people is like where the disc golf media didn't have that bite to it where like no one would call anyone out. Because you couldn't really call anyone out. Because, mm-hmm. like, you're going to see them next week. And that's still the case. Like, 90% of big disc golf podcasts work for Disc Golf Network. When we go to the USDGC, we're going to get attacked. Probably. But, hey, that's how you should feel, I feel like, is media. <laughs> yeah, I um, hope so. No, but it's not Brad, just... We're on the cutting edge. I want to see all business Brad takes one day. It's not just us, though. Like, <laughs> there's plenty of people that speak in much worse ways than us about players Mm. yeah the noise has gotten a lot louder because there's way more people watching the sport which by nature is technically a good thing because there's more people watching there's more people passionately caring which means that there's more people expressing those opinions when you don't perform to their standards but as a player if you started your career when it was quiet and now it's later in your career and it's way louder that feels way more amplified because that's not when you started if you're a gannon burr and you just burst onto the pro scene when there's all this noise, you've had the noise since the beginning. It's way easier to tune it out mm-hmm. versus if you're someone who started your career and there was no noise, so you could read every comment, you could read all the tweets about you, you could listen to every episode about you, and then all of a sudden, that starts turning into there's a lot, there's negative and positive and not just positive, then the negative sounds way louder than the positive even though they're both there, and that's when it starts really weighing on people versus if it's just always been there, then you, it's easy to drain it out. Mm-hmm. It's the modern era. Welcome to the now. That started. That's, welcome that, to New York. Yeah, no, September. Order. You know what? I'll give Paul the answer. I know you're listening to this, Paul. It's September 25th, Hi, 2023. <laughs> that's This is the start of the modern era. So all stats that we refer to on this show, if we say modern era. Can we name it something else? The grip locked era. The Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Welcome to the grip locked era. We need somebody to start we are doing in. stats for us and like. Like since the grip, the grip locked era. era as oh my like gosh. it started oh, stats has started in what 20 that is so narcissistic 2019 <laughs> grip locked era stats just no the grip like ever since era, we started caring about it the, that's yeah. what matters the grip locked, <laughs> locked era stats will just be since we started consuming disc golf in like 2015 yeah <laughs> so like if we can remember it like it's fresh on our minds it's the grip locked era yeah so, so will shoestrick is the best player of all time so if people, <laughs> if people if people like question it in the comments, we're like, no, we use grip locked era stats. And like, what does that mean? It's like, well, basically it's just our brain. <laughs> Whenever we started caring about stats. GLE version. The GLE. <laughs> and we use the GLE transition. What's the Translation. E? What's the E? V. Era. V. GLV. Oh. Wait, no, I meant E. Era. Era. Yeah, yeah. you're right. GLE. <laughs> That's all I have. 
That's oh, podcast. cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I actually would like to bring something up. Okay. I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> I was ready for it. <laughs> Boom. Uh, next week, next week, we'll, there's no event going on this week, really. So who knows what we'll end up talking about. A little next taste week. off season grip lock. Yeah, a little taste of off season grip lock next week. But then, but then, oh, but then. Oh, but then. We had to USDGC. We're live. Grip lock. Live. <laughs> this just in. It's grip we, lock time. We need to do, I want an intro with a band. Because like mm-hmm. live shows have bands. I'll just bring a and ukulele. Like, <laughs> Welcome in, Grip Locked Live. I'm like, host. And it's just Connor. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. 